Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title, Corky Tales. Tales of a tailless dog named Sagebrush. Sagebrush meets the shuns. And joining me from Colorado in the United States of America is author Joni Franks. Welcome to the program, Joni. Hi, Jay. Thank you so much. Pleasure to visit with you. You uh, have written, this is not your first book, uh, you have written several, I think, in this series, this one titled Sagebrush Meets the Shuns. What was the the motivation for writing your book? Where did the idea come from? Well, Jay, um, I live in the wilderness of the Sangre de Cristo Mountains in Colorado, and every day I'm witness to the outstanding beauty of Mother Earth. And I want to see this beauty preserved for future generations. Living in these mountains has inspired me to share my love for nature through storytelling. Have you always been a storyteller, even as a young child, uh, to the present tense where you're an accomplished author? Have you always been someone that liked to share in storytelling form? I was always in the business world and busy doing that. And I had the opportunity to recently retire. And so there and where it becomes the time to have the time, I guess, to write books and fantasize a little bit. Well, since this is the second in a series, I'd like to briefly reference your first book. What what was that story about? Was it similar to this one? Yes. Um, my book, Sagebrush Meets the Shuns, is the second in a series of children's books that teaches life lessons based on kindness and love. In my first book, which was Corky Tales, Tales of a Tailless Dog Named Sagebrush, <clears throat> the scene is set with the introduction of the tailless puppy Sagebrush, who's born without a tail, and with the help of the kind young ranch woman who has not let being a girl stop her from achieving her dreams, Sagebrush learns to overcome labeling and bullying by her dog peers. And this story centers on overcoming fears that others can put upon a person just because he or she looks different. This book also addresses preconceived notions about the abilities of women who live in the harsh environment of the Rockies. Is there also, uh, you have mentioned environment, and I I think that there's an underlying theme also to protect our our environment. Is that also part of your goal in uh, publishing this book? Very much so. And how is it similar to the first book, or is it at all similar? Well, the acceptance of the first book, Corky Tales, led to the sequel book, which is Sagebrush Meets the Shuns. It's a continuing story. Um, I'm told that my books have an appeal to not only young people, but also adults. Um, Through the suggestion of my publisher, Ex Libris, these books are marketed to children, pet lovers, and nature lovers. The message of my second book is awareness of the plight of the vanishing forest and deforestation, And the one thing I would like for people to take away from this book is mindfulness of homelessness and the plight of the environment. Um, In the story, Sagebrush is a small Welsh corgi puppy who lives with her parents, Maverick and Ginger, on a cattle ranch. And the kind young miss owns the ranch. And it's partly through her that Sage learns how easy it is to make a difference in the world. In Sagebrush Meets the Shuns, the little dog wanders off into the forest and meets the tiny people living in the tree hollows that are also known as shuns. 
And as it turns out, the shuns have retreated to the deepest recesses of the forest due to the giant tree-cutting machines that are clear-cutting the ancient forest and using the timber to make things that the humans need. So when the loggers begin to destroy the actual tree that the shuns call home, Sagebrush comes to their rescue. Sagebrush befriends the shuns and vows to save them in a tale I don't think you'll soon forget. Uh, how do, how would you describe your writing style? Is is there a maybe a section of your book that you might want to share with my audience in order for them to get a, a feel for how your dialogue is created? Oh, I'd love to, Jay. Um, the story begins with there was a deep, low grumbling noise coming from deep within the forest where no grumbling, groaning noise should be heard. Sagebrush, the tailless puppy, felt the vibration of the earth before she heard the noise. As the sun began to rise over the Rocky Mountains and the cattle ranch she calls home. You've managed to complete the story in about 30 pages. How long does it take for an author to create something, write a storyline, and get it to publication? Do you consider that a, a task, or is it something that you enjoyed? I loved it so much. I love this more than anything I've ever done in my life. And it really only took a few months from the time I presented uh, my story to Exlibris to see it in a book form. Three months max. Beautiful. And your books, uh, do you feel they're unique, or are they just another series of books that children might enjoy reading? Or is there something else besides just the story that you want to convey? Well, I believe my books are unique to others of the same topics. As in each book, Sagebrush learns a life lesson and solves problems through kindness and love. Um, I try to address a variety of human themes in each of my books. Um, I think three words that might best describe this story would be adventure, trust, and friendship. There must have been some challenges. I I have talked to many authors. Some authors take years to complete a project. This one apparently didn't take that long, but what challenges did you have to overcome that you weren't necessarily, uh, that you were surprised to to find in being an author? Well, I am sometimes asked what are the most uh, challenging parts of writing a book, but I have to tell you, I really didn't find it all that challenging. Um, The idea of the shuns came to me some years ago in a dream. And at that time in my life, I was embarking on my own adventure to build a house on a sizable piece of land that had never been lived upon. And the cattle ranch that I write about in my books is that ranch where I raised registered cattle and dogs. And I had a dream then about tiny people called shuns who are very shy and live in the hollowed-out tree hollows. Mm. And the dream was very vivid and something I never forgot. In my dreams, the only people that who had ever inhabited that piece of land were the shuns, and that's where the idea came from. Well, speaking of vivid, you say vivid dreams. Your illustrations are also vivid. Was that a complicated process, or how did that come together? Um, I would be remiss not to mention the beautiful work my illustrator, Raquel Rodriguez, has done. We are both on the same page. And it has been a successful collaboration to share with her the images that are in my head, which is probably not as easy as one might think. Very difficult to to convey sometimes a message into uh, illustrative 
form, and it's beautifully done. It could be uh, attractive or interesting to a young child, but also, as you've mentioned, there are older readers that have, have gravitated towards your publications. This being 30 pages kind of fits in the middle, does it not? It does. It does. In fact, when I wrote it and published the first one, um, as I said, my publisher was, uh, they didn't want to uh, market it as just a child's book. And so they marketed under pets. So that's pets is my main category with children literature being a secondary. In completing this and your other book, has it challenged you or motivated you to perhaps pursue other stories in the same series? Yeah, this my first book has set the stage for more stories of a little dog known as Sagebrush. And I also would like to mention that the inspiration for her character comes from my real-life dog, Sagebrush. And I believe combining the storybook Sagebrush with a real dog will imprint a pathway in the reader's mind, taking them from the real world into the imagination of a storybook character. At the end of each book I write, I have a real-life picture of my dog, Sage, that I select for each particular story. And I'm also pleased to say that Sagebrush Meets the Shuns has received four glowing reviews from the U.S. Review of Books, Pacific Book Review, Clarion Forward Reviews, and Kirkus. Beautiful. Congratulations. Uh, again, the, the book itself is Corgi, I'm sorry, Corky Corky Tales, and I'll fix that. Corky Tales, <laughs> Tales of a Tailless Dog Named Sagebrush, and this uh, edition or this publication is Sagebrush Meets the Shuns. Where can my listeners get a copy of, uh, of your book? Corky Tale Collection of Books is available for purchase online through my publisher, Libris. It's also available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Goodreads, and other online vendors. Um, I have a website, www.joniefranks.com. And so each, you know, readers can follow the escapades of Sagebrush through my website. And don't forget to watch for my third book, Sagebrush and the Smoke Jumper. Um, this book was inspired by last year's Hayden Fire in Colorado that occurred about 10 miles from my home. And that summer I watched my community come together in ways you might not imagine. It's a true privilege and inspiration to live in my community where there's an abundance of kind-hearted, good-natured souls. Congratulations on completing that. Uh, this is, again, a great little book with, again, underlying themes that will appeal to not only children, the grandparents. This is a book you might want to read to your grandkids or parents to your children. It also is one that the in-betweeners, uh, maybe the teens, would enjoy reading. So thank you again for joining me today, Joni. Thank you so much, Jay, and I hope everyone will enjoy Quirky Tales. Well, thank you so much again for joining me, and let me just uh, spell your first name because it is uh, spelled maybe uh, differently than a lot of people would interpret. It's J-O-N-I, Joni. Correct. And uh, they uh -huh. can do a search online under Joni Franks, find out a little bit more about this publication and any books that come along in the future. Thank you again for joining me today. Thank you so much, Jay. Honored to visit with you. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Have you heard? 
The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Ex Libris. The title of the book, Countdown to Greatness. Greatness lives with you. Find it, ignite it. And the author is Michael Carter Griffin. And Mike joins us now on Ex Libris On Air. Hello, Mike. Good morning, Steve. Great to talk to you this morning. Well, great to have you with us. And Countdown to Greatness, that's what this is all about. I'm really excited to to uh, ask and uh, get Mike's insights on greatness. And because he's done it in such a condensed way, uh, we're not talking about some long textbook on greatness and that's what is so appealing to it he gets right to the point and as we've already pointed out it's designed to ignite and reignite an individual's awareness of their potential everyone every one of us even though we often look in the mirror and we go oh i couldn't possibly be great but it's all there isn't it it's all within us you're exactly right 100 percent. i have a lot of years of experience now. I've been married for 30 years. I have two sons, raising them, so being a husband, a father, a member of my community, and then being a member of work teams and leadership roles throughout my career. It's given me the opportunity to work with a lot of great people, see a lot of great things happen. And over that time, in my roles, I've had the opportunity to go to various seminars and read various books on leadership, teamwork development, continuous improvement. And I realized as I got older and my children got older that this is something that people, that everybody needs. Not everybody has the opportunity to to go to seminars or read 300-page books on various subjects. So what I wanted to do was put it in a condensed format, and this book is about a 15-minute read and sort of give people a lot of information in, I call it a a small dose. And I used it for my kids. I would go to seminars, and I would take the the most important parts of seminars, and I'd take it and write it down in a, like a piece of typing paper, fold it over one time, that gives you four pages. I'd draw graphs and different things. I'd share it with them. And over time, I started to add more to that, and I realized that I had a few chapters, and as my kids got in their 20s, they said, Dad, you should put this in a book. So that's what I did, and it's to share people some basic information about 
how we learn, how we develop, how we can build teams, how we can lead, with the whole theme of the information is to note that everybody has greatness within them in some way, shape, or form. We are all unique. We are all different. And everybody has the potential to make a positive difference in the lives of the people around them and in the world. And the book is designed to share some of the basic principles of teamwork, leadership, learning, but really to ignite a person's awareness, number one, of their greatness that already exists, and number two, their potential to be even greater by impacting others in a positive way. Well, I love how you say it because, again, greatness is within all of us. And as we discover that greatness and as we share that greatness with others, we even inspire ourselves more. That is such a beautiful uh, circle of winning. You know, I explained that to somebody one time that inspiration is like a river that flows back into itself. If you think about when you work to inspire others, you find out that you in turn become inspired and then the people you've inspired will turn around and inspire you. So it's it's a continuous cycle. So it's very rewarding when you see that happen. And the way your book is laid out, everyone, this is literally a countdown. Uh, the table of contents is counting down. It's the the uh, chapters are backwards to get to the major point, I guess. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And the reason it's, it's written backwards is I want it to be different. And when something's different, it sort of ignites, I'll just say, the right side of the brain. I haven't done brain research, but I think in terms of left side, right side. Your right side is the creative, emotional side. When something's different than what you've seen before, it sort of turns on the right side of the brain so then the left side becomes more readily able to receive the information and when you count down you know chapters i've got 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 0 and then at the end of the book it's blast off and be great it's designed to sort of connect so that you're ready to receive the information that is that is throughout the book and some of the earlier chapters there's probably a little more I'm going to say technical information. It's still short and condensed. But as you get further on, it becomes more about your potential to be great. It sort of leads you down that path as you get to the last chapter of the book. And also, by design, there are misspelled words. Now, what the what's the reason for that? <laughs> uh, I actually do that at the very start of the book. I actually love to write words phonetically. That's just, I don't know why I like to do that, but I enjoy it. And I've written one page with words written phonetically, and it's designed, once again, to wake up the brain. If you think about people that present seminars or you might read books, if you read something that's funny or humorous or just a little bit different, it sort of wakes up the brain, once again, making the brain ready to receive information. Teachers do creative things at the start of a class to get their students engaged so that students are ready to receive information. And that's sort of what this does. And it's really just one page of misspelled words. I couldn't bring myself to put them all throughout <laughs> the book. But I, 
I did do it on one page just to make it a little interesting. Make it a little interesting, and also the book is printed in in big letters. Yes, yes. I've got some graphs. I've got some charts, some pyramids. And once again, a 15-minute read is designed to really open your mind to some information that I think everybody needs, but not everybody has the time it takes to go into great detail. People can dig further if they want to and get other books on subjects. This is really designed to be a short read that people can can knock out in 15 minutes and then hopefully take it and share it with their family members, share it with their friends, share it with those with people at work, realizing that not only does the individual reader have greatness within them, but something will happen when you read this book and you realize that not only do you have individual greatness, but the people around you do as well. So trying to find a way to share that knowledge, share that perspective, and expand that even further. So learning is not only uh, there is a process, and you've talked a little bit about it already, but uh, that really leads to the fact, and a lot of us, uh, especially when we're younger, we don't want to deal with this because... Uh, you know, we go to school and we think, oh, finally, I got out of school. Well, no, learning is a lifetime effort. It is continuous, as you say. Yes, yes. I think it's very important for children at a young age to learn not only this is what you need to learn, but also how to learn. And everybody learns a little differently, and there's things that we do in school that help us to know how to learn and help us learn, you know, we need to know math and science. We need history. We need uh, English and communications. And sometimes the way to open those doors is through music, through arts, through athletics, because every individual learns differently. It opens doors to expanding somebody's learning in so many other subjects when you can sort of understand that learning is a balanced perspective. You got the left side and you got the right side. You have to challenge and ignite both of those in order to expand somebody's knowledge and also understanding that knowledge is different than understanding and wisdom is different than knowledge or understanding as you get older you do get more wisdom we talked earlier about how much we've learned in our lifetime through our experiences well we all have more wisdom than we had when we were teenagers and i think that just Having a book full of knowledge is one thing, but understanding how, understanding how it impacts us and the world around us, now we start to gain a little more, a better perspective of why we are where we are today. And we must learn to take responsibility for ourselves. Uh, you say it uh, much like uh, a favorite teacher that is no longer with us, his name was Jim Rohn, uh, he said, if you want things to get better, then you've got to get better. And that's a tough, Absolutely. that's a tough fact. That's a tough, uh, you know, commandment of life. You're exactly right. It is up to us to make a difference. It's not up to everybody around us. We got We have to know that we are the difference that we want to make in the world. We are the miracle that we're waiting for. And people around us have that same potential. And if you can ignite it within yourself, 
then you have the ability to ignite it within the people around you. And someone may, may say, well, I'm waiting to have someone inspire me. And, of course, an answer to that is, what if they don't show up and inspire you? What are you going to do then? That's a great question. You're exactly right. And I, I, I've actually shared that with many people. Whenever I, people are frustrated or down, I said, you know what? When you're not feeling great and things aren't going your way, go find somebody and help them. And you will immediately feel like you've done something positive, you made a difference in their life, and you will not only inspire them, you'll let those individuals inspire you. So you're right. You can't wait for somebody to inspire you. You've got to go out and make it happen. Life is always a work in progress. That's your Chapter 5, The Zone. We all like to hear that. It's got some kind of a real edge to it when we say we're in the zone. (laughs) We're in the zone. And you know what? You can probably look back on your life, and everybody that reads the book can look at look at their life and know, well, these are times when I felt like, wow, this is why I'm here on this earth. You know, whenever you have children, you hold your children for the first time. That's the zone. And then as we go through life, that zone is always there. Sometimes you have to make those moments happen, share those moments with others. But finding that zone is just that undeniable feeling of purpose is what I've called it in, in the book. And it's there literally every day for you to experience as long as you're interacting with others. And all of a sudden you realize, hey, I made a positive difference today with these people. So that zone is all about finding that area in your life where you feel like, hey, I'm making a difference in the world and I'm making a difference for the people around me. And it's so tragic when people don't see that they have a purpose. They, they're struggling so much with so many different things that it's, it's almost impossible to look themselves in the mirror and say, I'm here for a reason. You're, you're exactly right. Life is so fast. We have so many demands on us all the time. And it's hard to get beyond that sometimes. And that gets into a chapter where we talk about decision-making, sometimes the lives that we live are so fast-paced and there's so much pressure and stress just in our daily lives that we focus on, I'll call them emotions that can lead to negativity. They're not necessarily bad emotions. Anger is one, guilt is one, fear is one. Those are all emotions that everybody has. How you deal with those emotions can change your perspective on life. And In the book, we talk about how to channel anger into peace, how to channel guilt into self-worth, how to channel fear into courage, especially courage through adversity. And if you can do those things and channel negative negativity more towards positivity, you can end up thinking from the perspective of faith, hope, and love the emotions that can lead us to a positive, positive perspective, no matter what the circumstance. Well, great teaching, Mike. It's real basic, but it's something that we need to focus on. And the way you've structured your book here, again, everyone, a 15-minute read. It's something that you could read every day, and I'm sure you'd get something else out of it. Again, the title is Countdown to Greatness. Greatness, Greatness lives with you. Find it. Ignite it. And the author is Michael Carter Griffin. Mike, tell us the best way to get your book. 
you can go to xlibris.com and order it, hard copy, soft copy, uh, e-copy. It's available for $1.99. You can also get it at amazon.com, same options, and barnesandnoble.com. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for joining us on Ex Libris On Air. Steve, I appreciate your time. I hope you have a great day. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Only once every few years does a show come along that makes you think, makes you care, makes you believe the impossible. A show featuring only the best in writing, acting, and directing. Until that show comes along, we suggest Paranoria, Texas. Thrill to the adventures of six super-powered nerds on a never-ending quest to take over the world and to complete their collection of She-Hulk comics. Paranoria, Texas, Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on AstronetRadio.com. Back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris on Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title, Hatching Sherry. And joining me from near Denver, Colorado in the United States is author Bao Contron. Welcome to the program, Bao. Hi. So happy that we're able to talk this morning. This adventure book, Hatching Sherry, is uh, relatively short but has a great message. It is targeted at a specific audience. Share a little of the background history of uh, the title, Hatching Sherry, and Sherry is spelled S-H-A-R-E-Y, which is also unique. Introduce my listeners to a little of your background. Where are you originally from, and how did you end up in Denver and become an author? So um, I'm originally from Vietnam. Uh, my family migrated here all together, uh, which I'm so blessed to say, um, about in 1982, so when I was about two years old. So... Um, coming over here, we basically literally, well, we had $200 in our pocket and we were a family of eight and, um, we kind of just, uh, kind of grew our lives here in this unknown world. And it, it's kind of similar to what I've written here in, in the book is that there was a, a platypus that was just put out into this world of the unknown. And the reason why, you know, I, I selected that title in general is just because like as you know, we were growing here in America. Hmm. We were just hatching our true selves. And so um, kind of like Sherry as well, she was kind of hatching herself as, as she was going through this adventure, finding who she was. Have you have you always had a passion for books and for writing? I did. I mean, I loved writing. I, um, I've written a couple 10, like I've written a couple 10 minute plays as well as, um, as well as a monologue. I, I just, found something you know just a, a love for writing but you know growing up also like cultural wise you know it was always like well you become a doctor become a lawyer and all of that so it was kind of on a journey to like the whole doctor land and I, I mean I loved science too and it was always you know I love science but I love writing it was kind of two different realms of things because science is very concrete where you know writing and art and artistic stuff is more of an abstract kind of like um realm yes. so you know once again the theme kind of goes back to sherry is like well she's 
a lot of different things. So um, just kind of accepting all of that as me. You know, I, I love. I'm a I'm a scientist and I'm a writer. Phenomenal. You your your story is about a platypus, and that's also a little bit of a unique animal. It's not one that uh, is uh, I would say not uncommon, but it is uh, not usually thought of as a child's uh, hero or heroine. How did uh, you? you decide on a platypus as your main character. So the platypus is, I, I don't, I mean, I'm sure many people know, it's, a, it's one of the two animals that we know of right now that um, it, mammals, actually, one of the two mammals that um, are hatched from an egg. Most animals are given via live birth. Right. And, um, you know, something very, and the platypus out of the two animals was chosen because it has, a lot of different features, you know, like a flat tail, like a, a, a bill, kind of like a duck. And it, you're like in webbed feet and claws at the same time with, you know, all these beautiful, magnificent characteristics, you know. And I feel as though it's such a unique animal that you, that that is embraced to kind of reflect on, you know, kids as well as that they are unique and they need to embrace every beautiful part of them. Like, and, you know, in America, it's we're all kind of from, you know, a different realm. We're a big melting pot. Like, we got different cultures going on from, like, Scottish, mixed with Irish, mixed with um, German. And, like, we're all kind of mixed together in a melting pot and just to kind of love that part of us, you know. Yeah, Sherry interacts with uh, another animal that I think many of us have uh, have been attracted to and that that's the beaver the beaver has some of the same characteristics with that flat tail correct that's correct were you trying to to indicate or underscore the fact that there's a lot of commonality between us and uh, maybe the characters of your book or they share a lot of the same interests perhaps yeah i mean i i mean i think a lot of us kind of share features of animals as well you know like the beavers we we always say like working hard as a beaver you know our work ethic and stuff we can't kind of compare to those animals as well and um yeah these just similarities like i mean the different characteristics between those characters too you know the duck and the bull and the beaver they all kind of are totally different um, personality-wise as well. So, I mean, not only characteristically, but um, just their personality kind of reflects on certain people, you know, in in this world that either, like, help us or just, you know, don't know any better or, you know... Um, I just said, uh, don't know what to, to, to do with us. So. <laughs> now, since, since you've completed the book, I'm sure you've shared it with family, friends, and uh, perhaps even complete strangers. What has been the reaction, and, and who did you think would uh, would gravitate toward the story of Sherry? So, um, yeah, I, I mean, like, they, they, the first thing that they say, like, honestly, was the art, um, which, you know, the cover page, I can't take credit for that one. That's actually my friend who did that cover page but um david schwashnig and um the other pages we all did but uh they, they mainly just mentioned the artwork was, was what drew them in and um and uh as far as like the, the gravitation towards it i mean i've heard like great reviews as to um just children um it, it, children who just kind of like the colors and the, the vibrancy of the images as well as um, just the underlying stories 
from moms and dads and parents in general. Uh, your, illustra- so, your illustration, it also says that your name is attached to that. Did you did you actually do some of the illustration in your book, or is that David's work entirely? So um, David's work was the actual cover page, and then the rest of it was um, was just me drawing it. And honestly, it was like a newfound kind of kind of gig that I, I found as I was just sketching out how to to fetch it to um, David. However, he just he was like, you know what, just go on with it. It looks great. So I mean, a newfound talent, right? That's incredible. <laughs> Well, so you're a, yeah. you're you're a scientist, you're an artist, you're a creator, creator, a, a creative, a, also a plays and uh, you know monologues. And uh, is there anything else that you uh, perhaps want to do in the creative end that you haven't attacked yet? <laughs> so um, I know this is this is the part of Sherry that I'm kind of like to. Um, and I'm working on a patent pending, the fully patent. Um, right now, I'm working on um, making it a trash can, a patented trash can as well. So um, hopefully, <laughs> we're going to kickstart that pretty soon. So anybody, whole... yeah, Is that, <laughs> anybody ever accused you of being hyperactive or anything like that? I mean, I don't know. That's a, that's a that's a full pla- full platter of of activities. <laughs> yeah, they think I'm on like sixty cups of coffee, but really, I just, I mean. I really mean it, truly mean it when I want to create something to to bring into reality, to grab all these images and just share it with the world, you know, um, making life easier, making life more accepting, making, you know, that's really what I'm truly passionate about. And um, whenever I can do that, I will make sure that I fit it into my schedule. To do so. That's incredible. <laughs> the, the book itself, Sharing, uh, I'm sorry, Hatching Sherry, uh, how long did it take to complete, and what is the main message you're wanting to share with Hatching Sherry? So, um, <laughs> I was, it took me approximately, well, I wrote that when I got back from um, New York, so it took maybe like four or five days, but it took like the progression of like six months to edit it and um, to actually fully execute it. It took five years of, you know, pushing me <laughs> to to kind of start it and um just kind of getting out of the fears of of publishing a book and the main message like i've said on the phone you know many times was just that i want to get out is that you know just accept who you are and once you do that and love yourself you know your possibilities are 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 boundless and, and your limitations are are just they just disappear so um i, I hope that's what that's what kids are, are getting and just to love themselves because in this it's, it's hard you know to to kind of find that that love for oneself absolutely this is an important message uh, for adults and children have adults mm-hmm. also uh, responded well to the book and to the story yeah um a lot of my friends and who aren't even parents have, have adored it just because i mean culturally i i a very diverse group of friends who kind of face, you know, some of the similar um, difficulties of society, and, and they and they've come to like cherish that that message a lot because um, they too have, you know, have gone through the, you know, their journey, their adventure. Mine was coming here as an immigrant, but they've they've come here with literally just nothing, and um, they've shared just, I guess, joy of like this is what 
you know, this is what I went through and, and this is what I, I kind of want my life to become um, within, you know, this is what I want to become accepting of myself and all of that. So. Give, give a short bio of, of your main character, Sherry, S-H-A-R-E-Y, Sherry. G- give a bio of her. How would you describe her as a character? So um, she's innocent. She's just always, she's innocent and she's just, on an adventure, she's curious, you know, she wants to, to, to find love. That's what she really wants is just a place to be loved. And, um, she wants to do a lot of things and, um, but she doesn't know her, like she doesn't know her full potential yet. Um, so she's a curious, uh, fun, um, adventure seeking. Well, yeah, curious, fun, adventure seeking, um, just girl who just wants to, who's, Finding love. Well, that the platypus is a, a unique uh, character. I don't know know that I've seen a, a platypus character as a main character in uh, in other children's books, but this is uh, beautifully done. Your illustrations are are spectacular. The uh, colors are bright, cheerful, and the story is one that should underscore and uh, remind children and adults alike how important it is to love yourself and to uh, chase your dreams. The title of the book again is Hatching Sherry. S H R A, excuse me, S H A R E Y, and my author Bao Contran has joined me from Denver, Colorado. Where can my listeners get a copy of your book? So it's um, the soft cover is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It's not the hard cover. It's on Exlibris.com, and that is um, Exlibris, which is sorry, I just want to make sure I'm spelling it right. L i b r i s dot com. Um, yeah, so you, you're available. It's on there. There's also ebooks on Amazon as well, or on Exlibris. Um, but yeah, I hope I hope everyone can enjoy this. I think everybody who supported this book along the way, and thank you so much, Jay, for your time well, um, interviewing me. Well. Honored, honored to visit with you, and I am hoping that this uh, will be a runaway success for you, and that you are are uh, also uh, embraced in your other other uh, endeavors. Uh, thank you again for sharing your time and your story. Uh, the title of the book again is Hatching Sherry, and my author. Bao Contran, B-A-O hyphen K-H-A-N-H, last name Tron, T-R-A-N. Uh, those are ways you can uh, search online for this book and, and other things that may come up in the future. Bao, thank you for joining me and, and sharing your story. It's uh, inspirational. Oh, thank you so much, Jay. appreciate it. My <laughs> pleasure. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Join Steve Jorgensen next week at the same time as he explores the passion and the inspiration behind the works of today's authors. Right here on Ex Libris On Air.